Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I am Joe Holderman. And I'm Jess Holderman. And this is Holderman Style. And this week we are going to be talking about beer. Beer. So for those of you that don't know, I make my own beer. I I buy beer too. I don't I'm not a snob that only don't makes his own beer. <laughs> yeah, I, I still buy beer. Um, but I enjoy making beer. So we're gonna kinda go through the process of how I got to the point of making beer, uh, what that process looks like in a very basic sense, uh, a breakdown of the equipment that I have, and basically how to make beer. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything to add before we get started? No, I don't think so. Well, I have one thing to add. Okay. We would be a sacrilege. <laughs> to do a podcast about beer and, and not drink, drink a beer. <laughs> so I have here a sour beer. This is a Rodenbach Grand Cru. And not the vintage, but this that's is okay. not the vintage. No. <laughs> um, so this is a sour beer. And for those of you that says that sounds disgusting, you're wrong. It's delicious. <laughs> um it's not for everybody, and especially if you aren't aware that it's sour. Oh yeah, it's Surprise. not for everybody. But it, it, think of it, same kind of thing as like lemonade. Like lemonade's really refreshing and tastes good. Yeah, but same if you're expecting water. Yeah, same mm-hmm. concept. Ah, there it is. <laughs> it's got this is a fancy bottle had a cork on it. All right, so. <laughs> Very nice. Don't set it on the table. <laughs> so this is a beer we discovered uh, doing the Savannah Craft Brew Fest. This is a beer we discovered at the Savannah Craft Brew Fest. We kind of fell in love. They have a 2013 vintage. We can, I guess we can, we can go ahead and talk about it. They have a 2015 Aged. vintage now. I saw at the store. Ooh, anyway, fancy. So I guess we can, we can get a little bit started. We. We've always kind of been into craft beer a little bit, um, just kind of experimenting and finding different I mean, beers. And when you live in the heart of beer country for a decade, <laughs> yeah, true. When you live in Germany, it's in my blood. Germany's not really like. I mean, they Don't have you no, dare. no, no, no. <laughs> Germans drink their beer, but Germans are like it is Pilsner <laughs> or, or it is Hefeweizen. That, you know, they don't get crazy with their beer like we do here, where they're like, we're going to put 78 pounds of hops in this one. Well, I think that's because they appreciate the simplicity of a decent Well, and beer. they've been making their beer Except the same way for like 10,000 years. This is probably true. Except for the bacon beer. I mean, that was a weird thing that was like, oh, the only way we can make beer better is to add meat to it. So. Um, that is, well, <laughs> fun fact, the reason they did that is because smoking the malt makes it last longer. Fascinating. I did did know that? not know that, but it makes sense. But, so and they could make that in the fall after their harvest. They could smoke the malt and make it, and it has to age. They don't age. actually put bacon in it. No, it's smoked malt. Rauch malt. Yep. Um, anyway, so <laughs> now that we have our beers, we can begin. So for those of you that don't know, I, I would say... With the commercials that most places run, 
especially if you watch the Super Bowl, there was some pretty <laughs> good, pretty good beer commercials making fun of other beers, making fun of other beers. But the the main ingredients for beer, you have your grain, you have your water, you have your hops, and you have your yeast. And depending on the style of beer you're making, you can have different kinds of grains, um, different kind of hops, different kinds of yeast. The water is one of those things where you kind of use what you have and really unless you have really bad water the water right. doesn't matter unless you're trying to like super replicate a style and that's where you can get way into like water chemistry like there's literally books written on water chemistry yeah. to try to be like if you have this water add this 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 and this and then you'll have the exact same kind of water as belgium and right. you can make the same <laughs> beer and some people get that serious into it i don't I was going to say, the chemistry of water sounds about as interesting as a book about sleeping to me. <laughs> it's a pretty good book. Anyway, <laughs> so those are the, the four main ingredients in beer. And, and you can add different flavors and stuff. But to make beer, you need grain, you need water, you need hops, and you need yeast. So, uh, so the way that you make the beer, and the equipment that you need to make the beer, especially if you're using full grain is you need some sort of heating device to heat water because the way that uh, you create a sugar solution which is called wort with the grain and grains are starches and you use hot water basically not basically you use hot water (laughs) to have there's a chemical conversion that happens that converts starches to sugars and depending on the style of beer you're making, depends on what temperature that is. But for the majority of beers, it's between 148 degrees Fahrenheit and 158 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, 158 degrees is kind of hot because with grains, once you start getting over 160, 165, you can start extracting bitterness from the grain husks. So you, you try not to get up that high in temperature if you can avoid it. Just because if your average grain is 158, then there's a chance you may have a hot spot in the high 160s somewhere. So get some bitters. In you can get beers. some bitter, bitter off flavors in your beer. So you need some sort of device to heat a large quantity. And depending, like, for instance, I do five-gallon batches. So my, I have a cooler. I I have a setup. Well, I guess I should start before I go into the setup I have. I should start with the the setup that most people start off with and unless you're just going whole hog into it. Uh most people start off with a very simple setup on their stovetops and you can get what's called a uh, malt extract. So instead of creating your own wort with grain, you basically buy containers of syrup that are super concentrated, and you add hot water to them to create wort in that fashion. And other than that, the steps are identical to making all-grain beer. But you can do it in your stovetop with, instead of having to boil 10 gallons of water, you only have to boil 3 gallons of water because you just have to get enough water hot to dilute all the syrup. So I started that way. I think I bought like a five gallon or six gallon aluminum pot on Amazon for like mm-hmm. 35 bucks and a beer kit 
And I started off making beer in our kitchen. I bought a, a beer kit from, I, th- I don't remember what website, some website online. But it was a real beer kit. It wasn't like a Mr. Beer Kit you buy at Walmart. Because part of the problem with those Mr. Beer Kits is the, they, the reason you can spend $20 and get a make-your-own-beer kit is because they skimp on their ingredients. They, use, they don't use good yeast. They don't use good malt. And making your beer is just like anything else you do. If you start with crap, you're going to end up with crap. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so you, you can do it on your stovetop with, with basic equipment. And uh, there's Google. You search Google. Uh, one, uh, actually, a huge resource, anyone that's interested in learning to make beer, is uh, there's a forum called homebrewtalk.com. I learned so much from these guys, and, and this, there's thousands and th- tens of thousands of people on this, on this forum. It's not a couple of guys, and they will answer any question you have. Most of the questions you've, that you come up with when you're learning, all you got to do is search for them, and someone else has had the same issue and already had the question answered, and you don't even have to wait for an answer most of the time. Yeah, like a lot of the mom boards and the... <laughs> All I can think of are the pregnancy and, and mom message boards. Very similar. Except for it's a bunch of men talking about beer. This beer is fantastic. <laughs> I just finally got a chance to take say, a sip of beer there. Talked so much. Uh, so, uh, you, anyway, you can find a lot of resources online. October 2012. Is that when I started brewing beer? Yeah. Jess was over here pulling is, up our yeah. old Facebook stuff. Yep. Aw, you were a little baby. Oh, that's still in the, in the military. Yep. My baby face. No no Grizzly Adams beard there. <laughs> and your pot was so clean. <laughs> uh, it was probably brand new. That's true. Okay, so anyway, I started off, like a lot of people, on my stovetop using a kettle with a syrup beer uh, ingredients kit. And almost immediately I was hooked. It was like, this is so cool to be able to make beer. It, well, and okay, so after you make it on your stovetop, you got to put it in a fermenter, and then it, it basically just sits for two weeks. I I typically give mine a month now because I don't, I I have patience. There's so much stuff going on. Well, anyways, and I have patience. Um, speaking of which, I have to keg that one. Anyway. <laughs> So after after so many weeks, and you can bottle it, and there's a process for that. We'll get into that process. We're talking about my gear right now. So I started out <laughs> with I I started off on the stovetop doing that, and then I upgraded to um, once you st- once you start boiling higher volume, and when you're doing grain, the more volume you can do at one time, one the faster the the brew goes because. When you're doing when you're doing grain, if you have to do multiple batches, you can spend six seven hours doing making beer, and that's while fun, you know that's that's half a half a day or late into a night. It it can it can add up on you. So the higher volume you can boil at one time, the the less time you're going to take to make your beer. Uh, so I I upgraded to a I think it was like an eight gallon pot. It was it was a turkey fryer. That I, I bought a turkey fryer that came with a pot and a fryer, and I we would boil stuff out on the 
out in the driveway and I, that was kind of my next step from a little five gallon pot on us on the stove and that's kind of you you used to come out there with me all the time. Was I was going to say, that's the part that I always really liked. I mean, of course, we got the beer, which was cool. And we could change our beers to the season and blah, blah, blah. But, like, hanging out, because it's a, like, five-hour process. Five to eight hours, depending on how yeah. how much we mess around. But it was really fun, you know, hang out. Yeah, we used to. Do some science. We would do, like, Friday nights. Like, I'd you know, get off work and come home on Friday, and we would... uh just start making beer, and then, you know, if you're up to 11, 12, 11, 12 o'clock, it's no big deal, because I didn't have to work Saturday. Yeah, this was back when I wasn't working, too. <laughs> Side note. Yeah. Sorry, forgot to turn off. Okay, so, so after I, I got the turkey fryer, I used that for a while, but my main concern with that is we have we have kids, and at the time, we had a crawling child because lily was born in 2012 so she was just learning to walk and right at about the height where she would stick her hand right in a giant propane fire that was trying to heat up a kettle so i looked for a solution that would allow my brewing to be a little safer around my kids to the point that i didn't have to be standing you know if i turned around and they were out there i didn't have to worry about them running up and burning themselves mm-hmm. so i i upgraded my system to an electric system which basically i have uh i have two 15 gallon kettles and they each have a heating element in them and then i have a, a control panel that i can i can and there's temperature probes and i can literally set the temperature on my system to one number and it'll automatically keep it heated up and Turn the element on and off to to keep that temperature. So, was that expensive? Yes. But it was one of those things that... It was also something that you built. Yeah, well, yes. From scratch. I built it myself, and I I take a lot of pride in that, actually. I built it myself, mainly because I wanted my, my kids to be a little safer around it. And also... With beer making, consistency is really, really helpful. So when I was uh, making it on the propane burner, like I said, you have to get that, uh, get the grain water to a, a good temperature. But when you're dumping the grain, you can't dump the grain into the, the war, in, into the water while it's on the burner. You would, because you'd have to just... Well, you can, but you, you, I only had one pot. So if I had more than one pot at the time, I could, or more than one kettle, I could have done it on the burner. But I, I didn't have more than one kettle. I had one kettle and a cooler, uh, like an igloo cooler, that was big enough to hold everything. And I, so you'd have to kind of guess what temperature to heat the water up to and there's some calculators you could use online, but especially if it was cold outside, the grain would be 50 degrees, and right. I'm trying to maintain a, a you know eight degree temperature range. So you're trying to heat water up and try to guess how hot you need to get it, and you use the calculators, and they're always a little bit off. So then you end up having to either add ice to it to cool it down, or pull some off and go heat it up on the stove inside, and then run back out, and it just 
it, it turned into a process. So I was like, you know, this is, this is one of those things that I, I feel, I know I can make this better for me and easier for me. So I, I built this electric system because basically I can, I can just put the grain in and the system will keep all the, all the temperatures where I, I asked them to. There might be a little bit of fluctuation when I first put it in, but it's not usually a mash cycle takes 45 to minutes to an hour, which is, that's the cycle that converts the crushed. Well, I didn't mention you have to crush the grain before you add it. You don't just throw grain in, but the, the mash cycle is where it converts the starches in the crushed grain to uh, sugars that are fermentable by the yeast. And that is a good time to take a drink of beer. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at uh, right now, I'm pulling up all the pictures. Like Joe mentioned, we started this in 2012. So there's a lot of pictures of our setup and stuff like that. So you can check that out on our Holderman style Facebook page. Uh, that'll have our super cool video and Joe's baby face. My baby face. So, where did I leave off? Okay, so the mash and my current setup now, it's, it, it is expensive and it's, it, I, I had long learned that this is something I, I, I'm going to do this forever. Like, yeah. I'm never going to not brew beer. There may be times where I don't brew as much as I want to or as often as I would like. But I'm I'm never going to not use that equipment. So for me, it was worth the investment. Um, everyone else may not see it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we've kind of gone through it, so the brewing process, uh, there's there's four main steps. <laughs> You're right? like A B C. I had to make sure I didn't just say random numbers. <laughs> so there's four main steps. There is the sugar creation. If you're using grain or if you're using extract, you you already have your sugar creation. You just heat your water up and add your sugar, add your syrup. I use grain, so I have to create my sugars through a starch conversion. Then you have your boil. Now you you boil your uh, your wort. Excuse me. So after the sugar creation, you take your grain out. Uh, you strain it. I use, I have a, a it's called the brew bag. It's just a it's a mesh uh bag that all the grain goes in, so it's easy to just take out and not I don't have to scoop it. And then so after after the mash is done, you pull the grain out, you heat the the water up to boiling. Um and then once it's boiling, de- again depending on your beer style, you may or may not uh add hops. So a lot of people probably have heard of hops. What was that? I don't know. I think Alexa oh. was talking to her. Oh. <laughs> so a lot of people have heard of hops, but not a lot of people pr- probably understand what they are. So hops are used for three main things. There's hops are used for bittering, hops are used for flavoring, and hops are used for aroma. So if you've ever uh you know, opened or smelled an IPA and you get that real fruity, florally smell. That's the hops giving you that. What does IPA stand for? India Pale Ale. So if hops are also used for bittering and that's their main purpose. And if if, if you were to taste un taste wort that you just made with no hops in it, 
it would it would taste like like oh, sugar water. Say it tastes like sweet tea, kind of. Yeah, it, it it's at, at that point there's no balance, and that's what beer is really is you're just trying to create a balance in your uh in your product. So hops are, is used for balancing out the sweetness that you're creating with the sugar. Now the yeast is going to ferment a lot of that sugar away, reducing the sweetness. So you you have to kind of learn to get a good balance and not add too many hops unless some like I intentionally add some more hops than I really need sometimes cuz I like my beers a little hoppier. So it's it's a style preference choice too. Um but once you add your hops, there's different different hops going at different times depending on what you're trying to get out of them. A bittering hop needs to be in there longer, so that's usually put in as soon as it starts boiling or within, you know, 10 minutes or so of that. Then your flavoring hop, which gives you some of your citrusy citrusy flavors and stuff like that, those will go in 5 to 10 minutes left. And then your your aroma hops will be the last thing to go in. A lot of people, myself included, that I'll, like, I'll add those as I'm turning the heat off. Um, and the reason for that is because hops will, uh, the aroma is the first thing to dissipate. So if you add the, if you're trying to get aroma out of your hops, you got to put them in and then cover it basically. Uh, I thought you were going to say like the peanut butter beers or the, that kind of stuff. The peanut butter beers. Yeah, like the, when you're getting a flavor, like the extra stuff you add at the end. I got Oh, confused. no, you're way ahead of that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so after after you get your boil done and you got all your hops done, then you got to put it in a fermenter, um, a fermenter. Uh, a lot a lot of people just use uh, food grade buckets. Um, well, you got to cool it off first because obviously if you put it in a plastic bucket, you can melt it. It'll melt. Um, Melted bucket. Secondly, if you put beer yeast, brewing yeast into a 200 degree beer it'll just kill it and it won't do anything that makes sense yeah so you have to chill the beer um there's a variety ways of doing that depending on your volume because i make such big batches i have a a chiller it's a recirculating uh wart chiller where i pump uh pump the hot beer through one way and then it's got copper jacketing around it and I take hose water and send it the other direction and it'll chill the beer down. Pretty simple design. It's not a big deal, but it's kind of cool. It's cool, yeah. So then once you get your beer cooled down, um, you put it in a fermenter, you add your yeast, and then really you can kind of leave it alone. it's hot here in Georgia, especially in the summer. So I have a refrigerator that was given to me uh, that I've repurposed as a fermentation chamber so that that way when it's 100 degrees outside, I can still keep my beer. Because most, most beer yeasts like to stay between 60 to 70 while they're fermenting. And the yeast while they're fermenting will generate heat. So... <coughs> I keep the uh, my beer fridge at 60, and it's usually a pretty good. Yeah, the first time we did that, we actually had the beer sitting in the bathtub for quite some time to maintain yep. it. I used like a swamp cooler kind of method. I had 
the bathtub about half full of water, just, just enough that it enough water to cover as much of the fermenter as I could without making it float. Mm-hmm. And then I just wrapped it in a towel, and it would wick that water up, and it kept it cool. But that was that's one way to do it. A lot of people. So if you live up in the north, especially in the the winter, you can just cellar your beer in your basement. We don't have that option here, but yeah, that is kind of. And then after it's in the fermenter and the yeast goes to work, generally the yeast is done in about two weeks. But they're done fermenting the beer. Um, but the yeast makes a mess of itself while it's doing that. Um, so you can get some weird off flavors or weird byproducts of the fermentation process. So I usually give mine a month. There's no, there's, I mean, somebody may have written a standard rule, but everything, I've read a lot of beer literature, and most of the things I say is like three weeks to a month, you're not going to hurt the beer as long as you've, sanitized everything and that's something i didn't talk about (laughs) so you got to sanitize everything um i use a sanitizer called star san and it's one ounce of the concentrate to five gallons of water and it will kill anything that it touches um so your your surface has to be clean but when you soak your soak uh It'll kill bacteria. Let me uh, clarify that. So when you when you make your solution, you put it in your fermenter. You let your fermenter sit for two minutes. You dump it out. That fermenter is now sanitized, clean, like sanitary. It won't have any weird things in it um, because if something gets to the beer before the yeast gets to the beer, you can ruin the beer. So you have to sanitize. You sanitize anything that touches the beer. And anything that will touch anything that touches the beer. So that includes yourself. While you're handling everything, you need to make sure you have sanitized hands. So there's that. But as long as you have sanitized, sanitary conditions, you've used your sanitizer, your fermenter was clean, you can give your beer a month, no problem. After that, you have to prepare it to drink. So you have to carbonate it. And there's multiple ways of doing that. Uh, I've done two of them, three of them. So you, well, two of them. Uh, so there's there's uh, bottling and force carbonating that way. So what you do is you put all your beer uh, in a bucket and you add what's called a priming solution. And again, there's calculators online for like, if you're trying to make a an IPA, an American IPA, It'll tell you this is the kind of carbonation level you're supposed to have. What's your volume of beer? So, if, and you put that in, and it tells you mix this much. Uh, usually, it's confectioner sugar type solution, type real pi- fine powdered sugar uh, with some water, and you put that in the bucket, and then you put the beer on top of it and stir it up real good. It just basically gives the yeast like a, a another meal. Because this is after the fermentation's done. So the yeast have eaten all the sugar. And when yeast ferment, what they're doing is they're eating the sugar. And yeast make two byproducts that we want. They make uh, carbon dioxide and they make alcohol. When, <laughs> so check and check. when you're fermenting, you want the alcohol. 
when you are bottling and trying to carbonate, you want the carbon dioxide. So you give them just enough sugar that they can create enough carbon dioxide in each bottle to uh, to carbonate the beer. So once the beer, uh, so basically what you're trying to do there is you, you don't want to put too much uh, sugar in because the yeast will start to ferment again. You just want to give them just enough to make your beer carbonated. So that's the first way. Uh, the second way is you force carbonate with a CO2 canister. And that's the way that I do it because I keg my beer. Uh, you could also, you can still prime, uh, use priming sugar in a keg. Um, I just don't. Uh, so, it, because basically if you have a keg, you have to have a CO2 canister in order to use it properly anyway. So, uh, there's calculators online, same kind of thing. You say, hey, I have this kind of beer, this style, and it says you have, you need this much carbonation, but this pressure of CO2 to your keg for six days, and congratulations, your beer is now <laughs> carbonated. Unless there's a new system out that I have that is super neat. Let's see. Hold on. Is this a good opportunity to pour me some more beer? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm just drinking the beer while he talks about it. <laughs> this is her second glass. I haven't finished my first one yet. <laughs> good beer. It's enjoyable. It is. This is not homemade beer. No, it's not. All gone. <laughs> this was just one. So on a on a side note, before we get off into your fancy briefcase uh, carbonating kit, um, in Savannah they make green beer. I'm sure they do this in a lot of places, but for St. Patrick's Day they make the green beer, and I'm actually pretty excited for this year because uh, I think we should do green beer again. There's a picture of it if you want to see our green beer. It'll be in our slideshow. I found it. Oh, you want me to make beer? Oh yeah. I need to brew this By weekend the then. <laughs> I'm serious. If, if, I, if like you want me to have beer ready for demonstration, if you want beer ready for St. Patrick's Day, I need to make it this weekend. Anyway, so uh, my new my my fancy carbonation kit, uh, it has just a little. It, it's a it's got a pump and lines that you hook up, and it's it's got instructions on how to hook everything up. But basically, it will it pumps your beer through a diffusion stone that's pumping co carbon dioxide out of it and it takes your beer from taking like i said six some of the some beers take 10 days uh to carbonate and you can do it in about 2 hours so that's neat yeah and that was that was definitely something as soon as i heard about that thing i ordered one because it was like i can knock almost what? I can knock 10 days off my brewing. Like, that's pretty, pretty awesome. So, <laughs> that is the basics. I don't think I went into too much detail. Yeah. No, you didn't. About uh, how to make beer. So, now I guess we can talk about some of the stuff we've done with it. <laughs> you want to talk about some of that? Sure. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't I know. I've been talking about for that. half hour, so it's your turn. <laughs> Yeah, but we, you know, beer, like we said in the beginning, has kind of been, uh, <laughs> this sounds terrible. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's part of our culture. <laughs> 
which, you know, being German, again, it's not like a bad thing. It's uh, being jolly and festive um, and, and enjoying science together. <laughs> uh, or at least we call it that. And so anyway, so at the last, oh my gosh, seven years, and it's been seven years. Um, we have had quite a few requests. Well, it was the end of 2012, so it's been six and some change. (laughs) Still, it's a long time. And uh, we've had a lot of requests for different types of beer. We've made beer for several weddings, including um, Joe's sister. Yep, made, she asked for a peanut butter beer, which I had never, ever, ever done before. Or even had, I don't think. No, and she wanted... She didn't want like a chocolate peanut butter, which is if if you it's see yeah, well like if you see peanut butter flavoring in beer, like mm-hmm. at the store, it's like a chocolate peanut butter beer or something oh, okay. or chocolate peanut butter stout or something like that. Yeah. And she wanted a a blonde beer peanut butter flavored. Like, oh, okay. I challenge I, accepted. I, I'll try to do that, <laughs> sure. So I it it really wasn't hard. They make extract that you can dump in uh after the beer is fermented oh I, I didn't talk about that uh if you want to add flavoring to your beer uh after it's done fermenting before you put it in the keg or as you're putting it in the keg is the way i do it you can buy flavoring or some people put like f- real fruit in there to get flavors to the beer that's honey be- is on our list of things since we have the bees well, it's honey, gonna take a little while to get honey is free alcohol for the yeast because honey because it is an all-natural, especially honey that we're getting, because we're literally pulling it out of our beehives, um, it's completely natural, simple sugars. Yeah. So the yeast completely fermented out. So for every gravity point of honey that you add to your beer, it translates to a gravity point of alcohol. Even after it's fermented? Well, that, it, it ferments out completely. Well, I mean, There's no like... honey flavor. If you want honey flavor, you have to add the honey after it's done fermenting. That's yeah, that's what I was yeah. saying. Yeah, but yeah, like if you use honey as an additive in your beer, right? It's like before it's fermented, it's like free. Isn't that like mead? Well, mead is made m- mostly with honey. There might be some grain, but most mead is mead is like honey wine think of it that way like instead <laughs> but yeah you know, that's what it is instead yeah. of grapes you're using honey yeah interesting i want to try to make mead but it's like a it's like a six month process oh my lord yeah okay. i don't know that i can be dedicated for that long. <laughs> one day like beer takes a month and that's cool yeah but to have to just keep an eye on something for six months or a year and then it right. turned out bad because i've never made it before like i would just oh, cry no but i would just never do <laughs> it again <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so we made uh, the peanut butter beer for his sister's wedding and and jelly and then jelly. Yep. Yep. We added jelly. The jelly was a surprise. She didn't know about that. Yeah. She asked me for the peanut butter, and I was like, "You can't make a peanut butter beer and not have jelly beer." Right. So I made a a strawberry ale to yeah. go along with the peanut they were butter delicious. beer. Delicious. Yeah. And they, then they were a hit. We came back. We went up there with two full kegs of beer and came home with two empty kegs of beer. So yeah. ten gallons down. Yeah, ten gallons of beer drank. In, yeah, that was a good in time. A couple of hours. Yeah. Yeah. And we've had uh, friends request bottles of it. Of course, like Joe mentioned before, we were bottling it, but it was such a process. Uh, you I know, still have if we, stuff. If we have enough interest in it, maybe we'll do a batch. I was going to say, I still have some bottles. Um, 
a lot of the bottles I have are the flip top ones. Right. So reusable. Yeah. I don't need to cap them and stuff. And yeah. So if I I would be willing to share my beer with people and then, <laughs> as long as I get the bottles back. But yeah, if we do decide to brew this weekend, like if you want to come over and check it out, if you're obviously local to us, I mean, if you want to drive down from whatever state you're in and watch us brew beer, then by it'll all be means. Saturday. <laughs> Saturday. I guess we should check the weather. Yeah, I can brew. Eh. Doesn't matter. I'll set the tent up. <laughs> if you want beer Fair for enough. St. Patrick's Day, I got to brew. Okay. <laughs> it's that simple. It's supposed to be nice this weekend, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But yeah, we've made, um, like I mentioned before, we made different beers for the different seasons so he'll make like oktoberfest uh in or hefeweizen in the fall and we've had i don't know that we've well i made the christmas beer it was like one time one time and it was was okay it was really good but five gallons of it was yeah it was a lot it's like that's one of those beers you're like oh i can drink one of these yeah, but you got 48 of them. <laughs> so yes. get to work. So maybe everybody will get a bottle of Christmas beer for Christmas one day. Maybe. And then we made, usually in the spring, we'll make like a red or yeah, an, an Irish, Irish red, stout. An Irish red or an Irish stout. You make me make oatmeal stout pretty the regularly. Stout. Yeah, the oatmeal stout, I swear by it for uh, increasing milk supply if you're breastfeeding. <laughs> yeah. Haven't you used oatmeal stout making cookies too? Well, no, not oatmeal stout, just oat, oatmeal in general. Um, you used my oatmeal stout making I, I made bacon. beer cheese. Yeah. That was fantastic. Let me tell you, beer cheese with homebrew, delightful. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, our summer was usually a blonde, nice, easy going. I, yeah, I, I came up with a recipe. I call it my easy blonde. So funny. It's kind of inappropriate. <laughs> but it's most of your beers that you can buy you buy in the store are four and a half to six percent for like a, a a light beer. Uh if you get into the some of the real heavy stuff, or not not necessarily heavy to drink, but if you, you can get up into nine, ten, eleven, twelve percent on some crazy beers. Mm-hmm. And so so four percent, four and a half percent is what most beer is. Um and that's that's just too much, especially when it's hot. <laughs> it it's not that it's too much is the wrong word. I like to drink beer. I want to be able to on in the summer when it's hot enjoy two, three. enjoy three or four beers and not get a buzz going because I got stuff to do. So, I created a, a recipe that the beer is uh 3%. Mhm. So, it still has alcohol in it. You can drink a bunch of them. <laughs> but if you, if I have a couple of beers with lunch, I don't have to worry about not being able to drive to the store in two hours. Right. You know? So. Yep. Yeah. And so then one time we tried to make wine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wine is hard. You got to let it, it age awful. and like know what you're doing. And there's tannins and yeah. <laughs> There's chemistry in beer, but like for the most part, the yeast is like, "Hey, man, I got, I this. got this. It's just beer. Yeah, it's just, just beer, beer, baby." <laughs> but so that's that's kind of one of the reasons. Another reason why I like making my own beer. Like I found a recipe that I liked, and I'm like, you know right. what? This is just kind of strong. 
because I think it was like five and a half percent. And I was like, this is kind of strong. So I just adjusted it to like my style and right. suit. And well, meanwhile, we got to get rid of five gallons of <laughs> the too strong stuff or the too flavorful stuff. That, that is that's one thing. That's the only if problem. I make, if I make a beer that's not good, I, I have not dumped You've a beer. You've never made a beer that's not well, good. It, it, well, if I, don't make, if I make a beer that like you can't sit down and drink a couple of, because there was one, one, I made one that it was like I can drink that, but I can't. Was can't it re- your Franken beer, maybe? No. No, I think it, I don't remember what one it was, but I remember I made one recently that it was. It was a good beer, but it's like I can drink one of these. Yeah. And like after that, I don't want to drink them anymore. I made that one with Paul in Ohio. It was a a honey porter, and it ended up being like ten percent. Yeah, that was nuts, but it was um, really good. It was so good, but you drank like two of them, and you were, <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> you're feeling pretty good. So it, that that one took. We split that that batch, I think. Yeah, we yeah. split that, and it's the three gallons. I think we no, we each took a yeah, because we had about six gallons, so we each took about three gallons, and it took months to drink all that. Because it was just, it was so strong, you couldn't, and and it's not like it's not the kind of beer that you just crave. Like you, it was a, it kicked you in the gut every time you drank it. It was delicious, <laughs> but it was like one of the, you couldn't drink it at night before yeah. if you had to work the next day. <laughs> so it was like I'd drink it on the weekend. So you can adjust things. It's cool. It's it like it's. I enjoy doing it. I I try to get everyone I know, at least talking about it yeah and yeah like just said i'm gonna be brewing this weekend anybody that wants to come by just shoot us a message and let us know and you're welcome to come by yeah bring a camping chair most of ours are broken (laughs) yeah yeah and then the other thing that we also liked about our beer is that it kind of brought us together with other people too uh like our our neighbor next door he moved in and he started brewing beer with Joe, too, for a while. They were military, so they moved off. Um, well, he had brewed before. Yeah. But he didn't, like, when he, when they moved in, I had been brewing for a little while, so I kind of gave him some guidance on what he was doing that was making his beer not as palatable as he would like. And he took those tips and ran with it and started making pretty good beer. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that are... It's just little simple things that when you're making beer that if you don't do them, you can be like, yeah, it's okay. But when you, you like simple thing, like controlling your fermentation temperature, if you let the, if you let it get too hot, lots fermenting, you're going to get weird flavors in it. It's that simple. So whether you, I got lucky and I got a free refrigerator or you, I mean, what? it's not a, like a pretty refrigerator. No, it not. looks like your, it, it looks like a garage. Your refrigerator. grandpa's 1995 keep worms in it refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a garage fridge because that's what it is. But <laughs> but no, no, a lot of what I did before I had the refrigerator was I didn't brew beers that didn't like being like I would brew a lot of wheat beer in the summer because yeah. wheat beer doesn't care at 75 degrees when it's fermenting, and we were keeping our house at 71, so. If the beer got to seventy five, who cares? It's wheat beer. Yeah. If it had taste, if if What's it gets a fruity one? off flavor, it gets it tastes like banana. <laughs> What's it, the one that bad. you have to um, you have to make in the winter? Lagers. Lagers. Yeah, and then there's another sour beer. 
Sour so sour beer is one of those beers. We're drinking a sour beer right now. But sour beer is intentionally infected with bacteria in a controlled way. Um, but once you've used a equipment to make sour beers, you can't use it to make regular beers right. anymore. It grows the biofilm. Yeah, and well, I mean, you can use the the kettles because you're boiling that. So anything. Right. And well, that, and it's stainless steel. So yeah, but like as far as the fermenters, right? Plastic. They're food grade plastic, so yeah. you can't use them. Once you've used them for sour, you can't use them for anything else because they'll they'll infect all your beer. Right. I mean, you could use them for other things, but you're gonna get sour beer every time. <laughs> so not the worst thing, unless yeah. sour beer is a, it's, it's kind of like wine too where like you have to let it age properly and mm-hmm. you have to like so i haven't gotten into sour beer because i like jess said we have so much going on like i i make simple beers that i like and i experiment sometimes i experiment a lot but like i don't i don't get into that kind of stuff i get like hey i wonder what happens if i put this and this together kind of experimenting mm-hmm. and it works out i like it well, that's 45 minutes. Yeah, I think that's uh, everything there is to know about us and beer. <laughs> yeah, that felt good. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if you guys uh, wouldn't mind, uh, go to our Holder and Style Facebook page. There will be links to both the podcast and our website. Um, and if you give us a like and subscribe to our podcast, we would really appreciate it. And that's all I got. You got anything to add? Yeah, you can find, uh, I made a little slideshow thing that I'm going to put up on Instagram and probably link it to Facebook too, a slideshow about all our beer stuff. Uh, I might start accompanying some of our podcasts with slideshows under videos. This uh, weekend when we do brew, I do plan on taking a couple of videos, so you can kind of see it in action. Maybe we'll do a surprise live. I'm I'm fine with that. Our cameras on our phones are better than a camera in our studio. Owns these days. All right. Well, I think that's everything. All right, guys. We will talk to you guys later.